Today in Science from Wired. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e-commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy-to-use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60-day trial at ShipStation.com slash technews. That's ShipStation.com slash technews. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Today in Science from Wired. Growing crops under solar panels. Now there's a bright idea. In the new scientific and literal field of agrivoltaics, researchers are showing how panels can increase yields and reduce water use on a warming planet. By Matt Simon. In Jack's Solar Garden in Boulder County, Colorado, owner Byron Komenek has covered four of his 24 acres with solar panels. The farm is growing a huge array of crops underneath them. Carrots, kale, tomatoes, garlic, beets, radishes, lettuce, and more. It's also been generating enough electricity to power 300 homes. We decided to go about this in terms of needing to figure out how to make more money for land that we thought should be doing more, Komenek says. Rooftops are so 2020. If humanity is going to stave off the worst of climate change, people will need to get creative about where they put solar panels. Now, scientists are thinking about how to cover canals with them, reducing evaporation while generating power. Airports are filling up their open space with sun eaters, and space doesn't get much more open than on a farm. Why not stick a solar array in a field and plant crops underneath? It's a new scientific and literal field known as agrivoltaics, agriculture plus photovoltaics, and it's not as counterintuitive as it might seem. Yes, plants need sunlight, but some need less than others and indeed get stressed by too many photons. Shading those crops means they will require less water, which rapidly evaporates in an open field. Plus, plants sweat, which cools the panels overhead and boosts their efficiency. It is a rare win-win-win, says Greg Baron Gafford, an earth system scientist at University of Arizona who's studying agrivoltaics. By growing these crops in the shade of solar arrays, we reduce the amount of that intense sunlight that bakes off the water and stresses out the plant. Baron Gafford is among the recipients of a new $10 million grant from the USDA's National Institute for Food and Agriculture to research agrivoltaics for different regions, crops, and climates. Baron Gafford has been running experiments to quantify several variables, like growth, water use, and energy production, to determine which crops might benefit most. For instance, he's grown salsa ingredients, cilantro, peppers, and tomatoes, and found that they grow just as well, if not better, under solar panels than in the open. They also only use half the water. Think if you spilled your water bottle in the shade versus the sun, says Baron Gafford. 
He also found that the panels significantly reduce air temperatures, which would benefit farm workers tending to the plants. His work suggests that the panels might act as a protective bubble to shield crops from extreme heat associated with climate change, which overwhelms crops and decreases their yield. Heavy precipitation that can damage crops is also on the rise, since a warmer atmosphere holds more moisture. In times when there is extreme heat or extreme precipitation, by protecting plants in this manner, it can actually benefit them, says Madhu Khanna, an economist at the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign, who also won funding from the USDA's new agrivoltaics grant. So that's another factor that we want to look at. Kana will be studying what the ideal solar array might be for a particular crop, for instance, if it needs bigger or smaller gaps between the panels to let sunlight pass through. Height, too, is an issue. Corn and wheat would need taller panels, while shrubby soybeans would be fine with a more squat variety. Thanks to those gaps, crops grown under solar panels aren't bathed in darkness, but generally speaking, the light is more diffused, meaning it's bouncing off the surfaces before striking the plants. This replicates a natural forest environment in which all plants, save for the tallest trees, hang out in the shade, soaking up any sunbeams that break through. Baron Gafford has found that a forest-like shading under solar panels elicits a physiological response from plants. To collect more light, their leaves grow bigger than they would if planted in an open field. He's seen this happen with basil, which would increase that crop's yield. Baron Gafford has also found that the pepper capsicum annum, which grows in the shades of trees in the wild, produces three times as much fruit in an agrovoltaic system. Tomato plants also grow more fruit. This is likely due to the plants being less stressed by the constant bombardment of sunlight, to which they're not evolutionarily adapted. But every crop is going to be different, so scientists have to test each to see how they react to shade. For example, you probably wouldn't recommend that somebody plant summer squash directly in the deepest shade, directly under a panel, says Mark Uchansky, a horticultural scientist at Colorado State University who's studying agrovoltaics and tested that exact scenario. The best location for that might be farther out toward the edges, where it's more likely to get a little bit more sun, because we did see a yield decrease in that case. While setting up the panels entails some upfront costs, it might actually make farmers some money, as Komenek told Grist in a 2020 story before his panels were in place. They'd produce energy to run the farm, and the farmer can sell any surplus back to a utility. And since some plants, like those salsa ingredients in Baron Gafford's experiments, will use less water, that can reduce irrigation expenses. If we can actually allow farmers to diversify their production and get more out of the same land, then that can benefit them, says Kana. Having crops and solar panels is more beneficial for the environment than solar panels alone. This kind of setup also cools the solar panels in two ways. Water evaporating from the soil rises up towards the panels, and plants release their own water. This is dandy for the panels' efficiency because they actually perform worse when they get too hot. They generate an electrical current when the sun's photons knock electrons out of atoms. But if they overheat, the electrons get overexcited and don't generate as much electricity when they're dislodged. And as with putting solar panels above canals, using farmland pulls off the neat trick of not taking up any extra land. To deploy a traditional solar array, you'd need to clear space first, but canals and agricultural fields are already in use. 
it's this big macro trigger to kind of get people to the table and think about what does rural economic development look like and what's the future of agriculture, says Andrea Gerlich, a social scientist at the University of Arizona who's working with Baron Gafford on the deployment of agrivoltaics. If it allows smart agriculture, sustainable agriculture, and it uses less water, it's this big trigger to get people talking. But agrivoltaics won't work for every farm. Solar panels remain a significant investment, especially on a field-sized scale. Maneuvering around them with heavy harvesting equipment will also be a challenge. So Kana says the arrays should be designed as flexible systems. The idea would be that you have these panels that are not just going to be fixed at a given angle and stationary, says Kana. They'll actually be able to rotate and become vertical and let the equipment pass through. Komenek adds that the United States is seeing a massive transfer of farmland from an older generation to a younger one, which has to decide what to do with their inheritance. Faced with the difficulties of drought and heat, the temptation might be to say, to hell with crops, and cover the farm entirely with solar panels. But he and Baron Gafford don't think it has to be an either-or proposition. The question for policymakers and landowners is, are we going to be taking out a lot of arable land, land where we could have chickens, cows, vegetables, perennials, and other things, and just putting in solar panels and having weeds grow underneath them? Komenik asks. Or are we going to create regulations that help to keep that soil active, to help it keep doing productive things like it has been doing over the previous decades or centuries? Baron Gafford also points out that agrivoltaics need not be limited to the kinds of crops people eat. A farmer might let native grasses grow wild under the panels, providing food for livestock, which would also benefit from the shade, or they might promote the growth of plants for native pollinators like bees. With the right management, that land could pull double duty as a synthetic forest. Just because it's shaded doesn't mean life can't flourish underneath. I think everything takes a little bit of shade, says Komenek. There's quite a variety of crops that enjoy it. And when it's 100 degrees outside, I enjoy the shade. Like what you learned? Subscribe everywhere you listen to podcasts and get more science news at wired.com science. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.